Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we are going to read chapters 25 to 26. And in the previous episode, we read chapters 23 to 24. And we saw the perspective from Reyna. And we saw that with the attack from Orion, Reyna was... At times, we thought that it was going to be very difficult for Reyna to even make it out. But with her cleverness and the rest of the group's hard efforts... They were able to escape with the Athena Parthenos. But now we are now back to Jason's perspective. So now we will read chapter 25 from Jason's perspective. So chapter 25, Jason. Jason rose from his deathbed so he could drown with the rest of the crew. The ship was tilting so violently he had to climb the floor to get out of sickbay. The hull creaked, the engine groaned like a dying water buffalo. Cutting through the roar of the wind, the goddess Nike screamed from the stables, You can do better, Storm! Give me 110%! Jason climbed the stairs to the middle deck. His legs shook, his head spun, the ship pitched a port, knocking him against the opposite wall. Hazel stumbled out of her cabin, hugging her stomach. I hate the ocean! When she saw him, her eyes widened. What are you doing out of bed? I'm going up there! He insisted. I can help. Hazel looked like she wanted to argue. Then the ship tilted to starboard and she staggered toward the bathroom, her hand over her mouth. Jason fought his way to the stairs. He hadn't been out of bed in a day and a half ever since the girls got back from Sparta and he'd unexpectedly collapsed. His muscles rebelled at the effort. His gut felt like Michael Verus was standing behind him, repeatedly stabbing him and yelling, Die like a Roman! Die! like a Roman. Jason was forced down the pain. He was tired of people taking care of him, whispering how worried they were. He was tired of dreaming about being a shish kebab. He'd spent enough time nursing the wound in his gut. Either it would kill him, or it wouldn't. He, was going to, he wasn't going to wait around for the wound to decide. He had to help his friends. Somehow, he made it above deck. What he saw there made him almost as nauseous as Hazel. A wave the size of a skyscraper crashed over the forward deck, washing the front crossbows and half the port railing to sea. The sails were ripped to shreds. Lightning flashed all around, hitting the sea like spotlights. Horizontal rain blasted Jason's face. The clouds were so dark he honestly couldn't tell if it was day or night. The crew was doing what they could, which wasn't much. Leo had lashed himself to the console with a bungee cord harness. That might have seemed like a good idea when he rigged it up, but every time a wave hit, he was washed away, then smacked back into his control board like a human paddle ball. Piper and Annabeth were trying to save the rigging. Since Sparta, they'd become quite a team, able to work together without even talking, which was just as well, since they couldn't have hurt each other over the storm. Frank... At least Jason assumed it was Frank, had turned into a gorilla. He was swinging upside down off the starboard rail, using his massive strength and his flexible feet to hang on while he untangled some broken oars. Apparently, the crew was trying to get the ship airborne, but even if they managed to take off, Jason wasn't sure the sky would be any safer. Even Festus, the figurehead, was trying to help. He spewed fire at the rain, though that didn't seem to discourage the storm. Only Percy was having much luck. He stood by the center mast, his hands extended like he was on a tightrope. Every time the ship tilted, he pushed it in the opposite direction and the hull stabilized. He summoned giant fists of water from the ocean to slam into the larger waves before they could reach the deck. So it looked like the ocean was hitting itself repeatedly, 
in the face. With the storm as bad as it was, Jason realized the ship would have already capsized or been smashed to bits if Percy wasn't on the job. Jason staggered toward the mast. Leo yelled something, probably, Go downstairs! But Jason only waved back. He made it to Percy's side and grabbed his shoulder. Percy nodded like, Sup? He didn't look shocked or demand that Jason go back to sickbay, which Jason appreciated. Percy could stay dry if he concentrated, but obviously he had bigger things to worry about right now. His dark hair was plastered to his face as his clothes were soaked and ripped. He shouted something in Jason's ear, but Jason could only make out a few words. Thing! Down! Stop it! Percy pointed over the side. Something is causing the storm? Jason asked. Percy grinned and tapped his ears. Clearly, he couldn't hear a word. He made a gesture with his hand like diving overboard, and he tapped Jason on the chest. You want me to go? Jason felt kind of honored. Everybody else had been treating him like a glass vase, but Percy? Well, he seemed to figure that if Jason was on deck, he was ready for action. Happy to, Jason shouted, but I can't breathe underwater. Percy shrugged. Sorry, can't hear you. Then Percy ran to the starboard rail pushed another massive wave away from the ship and jumped overboard. Jason glanced at Piper and Annabeth. They both clung to the rigging, staring at him in shock. Piper's expression said, Are you out of your mind? He gave her an okay sign, partly to assure her that he would be fine, which he wasn't sure about, partly to agree that he was in fact crazy, which he was sure about. He staggered to the railing and looked up at the storm. Winds raged, clouds churned. Jason sensed an entire army of venti swirling above him, too angry and agitated to take physical form, but hungry for destruction. He raised his arm and summoned a lasso of wind. Jason had learned long ago that the best way to control a crowd of bullies was to pick the meanest, biggest kid and force him into submission. Then the others would fall in line. He lashed out with his wind rope, searching for the strongest, most ornery Ventus in the storm. He lassoed a nasty patch of storm cloud and pulled it in. You're serving me today. Howling in protest, the Ventus encircled him. The storm above the ship seemed to lessen just a bit, as if the other Venti were thinking, Oh crud, that guy means business. Jason levitated off the deck, encased in his own miniature tornado. Spinning like a corkscrew, he plunged into the water. Jason assumed things would be much calmer underwater. Not so much. Of course, that could have been due to his mode of travel. Riding a cyclone to the bottom of the ocean definitely gave him some unexpected turbulence. He dropped and swerved with no apparent logic, his ears popping, his stomach pressed against his ribs. Finally, he drifted to a stop next to Percy, who stood on a ledge jutting over a deeper abyss. Hey, Percy said. Jason could hear him perfectly, though he wasn't sure how. What's going on? In his Ventus air cocoon, his own voice sounded like he was talking through a vacuum cleaner. Percy pointed into the void. Wait for it. Three seconds later, a shaft of green light swept through the darkness like a spotlight, then disappeared. Something's down here, Percy said, stirring up the storm. He turned and sized up Jason's tornado. Nice outfit. Can you hold it together if we know it go deeper? I have no idea how I'm doing this, Jason said. Okay, Percy said. Well, just don't get knocked unconscious. Shut up, Jackson. Percy grinned. Let's see what's down there. 
They sank so deep that Jason couldn't see anything except Percy swimming next to him in the dim light of their gold and bronze blades. Every so often, the green searchlight shot upward. Percy swam straight toward it. Jason's Ventus crackled and roared, straining to escape. The smell of ozone made him lightheaded, but he kept his shell of air intact. At last, the darkness lessened below them. Soft, white, luminous patches like schools of jellyfish floated before Jason's eyes. As he approached the seafloor, he realized the patches were glowing fields of algae surrounding the ruins of a palace. Silt swirled through empty courtyards with abalone floors. Barnacle-covered Greek columns marched into the gloom. In the center of the complex rose a citadel larger than Grand Central Station, its walls encrusted with pearls, its domed golden roof cracked open like an egg. Atlantis? Jason asked. That's a myth, Percy asked. Percy said. Uh, don't we deal in myths? No, I mean it's a made-up myth, not like an actual true myth. So this is why Annabeth is the brains of the operation, then. Shut up, Grace! They floated through the broken dome and down into wind shadows. This place seems familiar. Percy's voice became edgy. Almost like I've been here. The green spotlight flashed directly below them, blinding Jason. He dropped like a stone, touching down on the smooth marble floor. When his vision cleared, he saw they weren't alone. Standing before them was a 20-foot-tall woman in a flowing green dress. Cinched at the waist with a belt of abalone shells, her skin was as luminous white as the fields of algae. Her hair swayed and glowed like jellyfish tendrils. Her face was beautiful but unearthly, her eyes too bright, her features too delicate, her smile too cold as if she'd been studying human smiles and hadn't quite mastered the art. Her hands rested on a disc of polished green metal about six feet in diameter, sitting on a bronze tripod. It reminded Jason of a steel drum he'd once seen a street performer play at the Embar Embarcadero in San Francisco. The woman turned the metal disc like a steering wheel. A shaft of green light shot upward, churning the water, shaking the walls of the old palace. Shards from the dome ceiling broke and tumbled down in slow motion. You're making the storm, Jason said. Indeed I am. The woman's voice was melodic, yet it had a strange resonance, as if it had extended past the human range of hearing. Pressure built between Jason's eyes. His sinuses felt like they might explode. Okay, I'll bite, Percy said. Who are you and what do you want? The woman turned toward him. Why, I am your sister, Perseus Jackson. And I wanted to meet you before you die. And that's the end of chapter 25. So after the break, we will come back and read chapter 26 and also get into our Q&A session. But before we go into that, it's very fascinating to see that the dynamics between Jason and Percy might change because of the situation that they're both put into now. They're both underwater and now it's more of... I, f I, I believe that there's always this there's always been this tension because Percy seemed to seem to be one of the strongest demigods of Camp Half-Blood and then Jason's seen as one of the strongest members of Camp Jupiter. So when you have these two demigods together, it creates a little bit of a power struggle when you look at it from an outside perspective. Is that actually happening between Percy and Jason? We might never know. But there's always some kind of tension that I always sensed when I was looking, when I was reading through this book and just seeing how the characters react and act towards each other. And 
I think that this situation, the scenario that both of them are in, may help them get over that tension, may help them get over that finish line and be able to build a bond that doesn't let them think about who's the stronger demigod, but rather how they can help each other towards succeeding at the same goal. I really hope that's the end goal after all of this and that we don't end up with a further power struggle or an explicit power struggle that comes out of this. And I think that it's just... It's very important to notice that there can always be two strong demigods. Now, although I don't see this quite being an issue yet between Percy and Jason... Something small can always turn into something big if not taken care of. So I think that this scenario might really vanquish any small issue in regards to that power struggle, is what I at least hope. So after the break, we will read chapter 26 and see how the rest of the situation is going to go, and whether my predictions about this power struggle and their, and their friendship getting stronger comes true. So after the break, we'll see you then. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back from the ads. Now we're going to read chapter 26, Jason. Jason saw two options, fight or talk. Usually when faced with a creepy 20-foot-tall lady with jellyfish hair, he would have gone with fight. But since he called Percy brother, that made him hesitate. Percy, do you know this individual? Percy shook his head. Doesn't look like, like my mom, so I'm going to guess we're related on the godly side. You a daughter of Poseidon, Miss... Uh, The pale lady raked her fingernails against the metal disc, making a screeching sound like a tortured wail. No one knows me, she sighed. Why would I assume my own brother would recognize me? I... Chemopolia. Percy and Jason exchanged looks. So... Percy said, We're gonna call you Kim. And you'd be, uh, hmm, Nereid, then? Minor goddess? Minor? By which, Jason said quickly, he means under the drinking age, because obviously you're so young and beautiful. Percy flashed him a look. Nice save. The goddess turned her full attention to Jason. She pointed her index finger and traced his outline in the water. Jason could feel his captured air spirit rippling around him as if it were being tickled. Jason Grace, said the goddess. Son of Jupiter. Yeah, I'm a friend of Percy's. Kim's narrowed. So it's true, 
These items make for strange friends and unexpected enemies. The Romans never worshipped me. To them, I was a nameless fear, a sign of Neptune's greatest wrath. They never worshipped Chemopolia, the goddess of violent sea storms. She spun her disc. Another beam of green light flashed upward, churning the water and making the ruins rumble. Uh, yeah, Percy said. The Romans aren't big on navies. They had, like, one rowboat, which I sank. Uh, Speaking of violent storms, you're doing a first-rate job upstairs. Thank you, said Kim. Thing is, our ship is caught in it, and it's kind of being ripped apart. I'm sure you didn't mean to. Oh, yes, I did. You did. (laughs) Percy grimaced. Well, (laughs) that, uh, sucks. No, I don't suppose you'd cut it out, then, if we asked nicely. No, the goddess agreed. Even now, the ship is close to sinking. I'm rather amazed it's held together this long. Excellent workmanship. Sparks flew from Jason's arm into the tornado. He thought about Piper and the rest of the crew frantically trying to keep the ship in one piece. By coming down here, he and Percy had left the others defenseless. They had to act soon. Besides, Jason's air was getting stale. He wasn't sure if it was possible to use up Aventus by inhaling it, but he was going to have to fight. He'd better take on Kim before he ran out of oxygen. The thing was, finding a goddess on our home court wouldn't be easy. Even if they managed to take her down, there was no guarantee the storm would stop. So, Kim, he said, what can we do to make you change your mind and let her ship go? Kim gave him that creepy alien smile. Son of Jupiter, do you know where you are? Jason was tempted to answer underwater. You mean these ruins, an ancient palace? Indeed, Kim said. The original palace of my father, Poseidon. Percy snapped his fingers, which sounded like a muffled explosion. That's why I recognized it. Dad's new crib in the Atlantic is kind of like this. I wouldn't know, Kim said. I'm never invited to see my parents. I can only wander the ruins of their old domains. They find my presence disruptive. She spun her wheel again. The entire back of the building collapsed, sending a cloud of silt and algae through the chamber. Fortunately, the Aventus acted like a fan, blowing the debris out of Jason's face. Disruptive? Jason said. You? My father does not welcome me in his court, Kim said. He restricts my powers. The storm above, I haven't had this much fun in ages. Yet it is only a small taste of what I can do. A little goes a long way, Percy said. Anyway, to Jason's question about changing her mind. My father even married me off, Kim said. Without my permission, he gave me away like a trophy to Briars, a hundred-handed one, as a reward for supporting the gods in the war with Cronus's eons ago. Percy's face brightened. Hey, I know Briars. He's a friend of mine. I freed him from Alcatraz. Yes, I know. Kim's eyes glinted coldly. I hate my husband. I was not at all pleased to have him back. Oh, so, uh, is Briars around? Percy asked, hopefully. Kim's laugh sounded like dolphin chatter. 
He's off at Mount Olympus in New York, shorting, shoring up the gods' defenses. Not that it will matter. My point, dear brother, is that Poseidon has never treated me fairly. I'd like to come here to his old palace because it pleases me to see his works in ruins. Someday soon, his new palace will look like this one, and the seas will rage unchecked. Percy looked at Jason. This is the part where she tells us she's working for Gaia. Yeah, Jason said. And the Earth Mother promised her a better deal once the gods are destroyed, blah, blah, blah. He turned to Kim. You understand that Gaia won't keep her promises right. She's using you like she's using the giants. I'm touched by your concern, said the goddess. The Olympian gods, on the other hand, have never used me, eh? Percy spread his hands. At least the Olympians are trying. After the last Titan War, they started paying more attention to the other gods. A lot of them have cabins down at Camp Half-Blood. Hecate, Hades, he Hebe, Hypnos, uh, and probably some that don't begin with H2. We give them offerings at every meal, cool banners, special recognition in the end of summer program. And have I gotten such offerings? Kim asked. Well... No, we didn't know you existed. But then save your words, brother. Kim's jellyfish tentacle hair floated toward him, as if anxious to paralyze new prey. I have heard so much about the great Percy Jackson. The giants are quite obsessed with capturing you. I must say, I don't see what the fuss is about. Thanks, sis. But if you're going to try and kill me, I gotta warn you it's been tried before. I faced a lot of goddesses recently. Nike, Achilles, even Nyx herself. Compared to them, you're not scaring me. Also, you laugh like a dolphin. Kim's delicate nostrils flared. Jason got his sword ready. Oh, I won't kill you, Kim said. My part of the bargain was simply to get her attention. Someone else is here, though, who very much wants to kill you. Above them, at the edge of the broken roof, a dark shape appeared, a figure even taller than Chimopolia, Chimopolia. The son of Neptune, boomed a deep voice. The giant floated down, clouds of dark, viscous fluid. Poison, perhaps, curled from his blue skin. His green breastplate was fashioned to resemble a cluster of open, hungry mouths. In his hand were the weapons of a retiarius. A trident and a weighted net. Jason had never met this particular giant, but he'd heard stories. Polyboats, he said. The anti-Poseidon. The giant shook his dreadlocks. A dozen serpents swam free, each one lime green with a frilled crown around its head. Basilisks. Indeed, son of Rome, the giant said. But if you'll excuse me, my immediate business is with Perseus Jackson. I tracked him all the way across Tartarus. Now here in his father's ruins, I mean to crush him once and for all. And that's the end of chapter 26. Well, I must say that this was definitely a very short short set of chapters, but nonetheless very meaningful. And it poses a question. It actually makes me wonder something. It makes me wonder if we can ever potentially get the backstories of some of these monsters. Not just potentially short paragraphs, but full-on end backstories of some of these monsters. Because some of these monsters I'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern. 
not all gods are perfect and that and the mistakes that these roman god that these roman and greek gods make affects monsters affects anybody who's living we saw what it did to luke because of hermes and his neglection and now we're seeing the same thing with poseidon and his children whether they be demigods or not so it seems like a lot some, some of these monsters the main problem is that these gods are not paying enough attention now does that mean that it's right to disregard potentially their busy schedules no but it's very important to see that not all of these monsters are doing it out of pure malice they're doing it because they have something against their parents their parents neglected them their parents didn't make them feel like they were loved including monsters and that led to what we now see as the villain arc turning these monsters turning these demigods into people in, into people who were once hopeful of their future are now vengeful and wanting to kill any one in support or even related to their godly parent so it's really fascinating to see how It's not just the demigods and their struggles, but it's also the some of the monsters as well. Some of these monsters go through so much struggle and pain that they're not able to take it at some point. So then when Gaia offers them a hand to help, they grasp it at every opportunity they get because that's the only time Gaia or anybody has ever given a helping hand out to them. So I think that at the end of this after the crow after the war the titan war the first war i think it gave a really good lesson for percy and his group to realize how neglectful and how much impact these godly parents have on their children and if they don't treat it right they're going to keep facing more and more monsters such as these such as such as luke monsters and human monsters and demigods They're going to keep facing these type of people that are just filled with vengeance if they don't change the way that they look and treat their children. So yes, those are my thoughts for this chapter. Although it was short, still give a lot of meaning. And now we are moving on to our Q&A session. Of course, before we go into every session, there is always the disclaimer that one, if I miss uh if I miss or skip any of your comments or your shoutouts or your questions, do please let me know in this episode and I will try my best to get you in the next episode. However, I would also like to pose the disclaimer that if I do not answer your question and I feel that it is personal for me or I feel uncomfortable answering it, I may not end up answering it. that may be a reason why i don't answer it as well but this isn't to discourage anybody from asking questions because i really appreciate it when all my fans really want to know get to know about me and i think that that's very admirable and just very heartwarming and so i just would not like any of any of you guys to think that i am that i simply I'm skipping over but sometimes I'm just I'm I'm not I choose not to not answer the question because I am uncomfortable with it at the moment but maybe in the future I'll be able to answer them um so yeah let's move on to the shoutouts first and then we will move on to the questions so 
Our shoutouts are Lua Cassell and Cassidy Palmer. Thank you. Now moving on to our questions. Um, some of you guys have been a- asking uh, what had exactly happened for the hiatus. Um, there was uh, just uh, some sickness, some illnesses going around, um, and I needed to I needed to take a break, so I was able to have enough time to recover and just be able to come back in the best condition possible and hence I'm back um I really appreciate all the support that everyone gave throughout that time and I could not ask for better fans so I really do appreciate all of you thank you now let's move on to the next question what is my dream job I think my dream job would be something something similar to this I think just being able to continue doing what, being able to continue reading books about mythology and just learn more about other cultures is something that I, I hope to be able to have as a job and someday be able to continue doing this as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely say something along the lines of this job and continuing it. Uh, next question is favorite animal. I'd probably have to say an owl, probably, most likely. Next question is, if you could meet two Percy Jackson characters for a day, who would you meet? I think going by the the due diligence of the the quiz that I had taken for my godly parents, I think I would choose to meet Percy Jackson and Annabeth Chase, just to see them bicker in real life and just see them act you know just just to see them interact with each other and for me to interact with each one of them and see them outside of the book would be very very fun next question is do you ever want to be noticed by uncle rick as a podcaster uncle rick is very funny (laughs) um i think that i definitely enjoy doing what i do um, if Uncle Rick does ever end up noticing my podcast, I'd be very honored. I'd be deeply honored for just just a rec- for just someone to notice my podcast. But I definitely think that doing this podcast and just being able to give my thoughts and opinions while also listening to others and what their thoughts and opinions are is what really makes me the most happiest. Next question is, if you had to be the child of a primordial god, who would it be? Most likely I'd be Eros, who is, I believe, the deity of love and creativity. Now, the reason why I choose that is because creativity and love are such... They're, they're, they're real, but also they're also not... They're, they're, not, they're intangible. And it's such a fascinating concept to look at as a human. So being able to be the child of a deity who's in charge of these intangible concepts would probably be very fascinating to be to live in as a life um it'd probably very be very similar to the children of aphrodite but just being able to experience being the child of a deity who's in charge of something that you can't even touch is something that's very fascinating to me uh, next question is, have you ever watched the How to Train Your Diet Dragon series? 
Um, I don't believe so. But I will definitely be watching that in the future because I have heard a few stories on how how popular that franchise is. Uh, next question is: Have you read the Black the Blackthorn Key series? I have not, but another one I will be adding to my reading list to be finishing up. So yes, that concludes our Q and A session and our shout out session. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. And next week we'll continue with from Jason's perspective, chapters twenty one, twenty seven to twenty eight. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom. <laughs>